welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I'm loving the series that we're doing at the moment about I believe and what it means to hold on to core distinctives of faith that make a difference, not just in our everyday life, but make a difference in us as the people of God. And today I wanted to talk about I believe we're called to more. I believe we're called into something that is bigger than ourselves. And if you allow me to unpack it, I was thinking last night of the situations and circumstances I found myself in, myself in sometimes where I've been called into something bigger than myself. I remember the year 2000 vividly, not just because of the Y2K bug, which was a total hogwash. And be like, do you remember Y2K? Who drew out cash on New Year's Eve? Worried that everything was going to shut down. Come on, somebody's lying in this room. I remember, I remember the year 2000 for lots of cool things. One of them was the Sydney Olympics. I grew up in New South Wales, about five hours north of Sydney. And I remember that year with my mates who I played basketball with, us making a harebrained scheme in recess that we were somehow going to do whatever we could to get to the Olympics together. We wanted to go and watch the USA basketball team come and whoop everybody's butt, along with millions and millions of other Australians, and we missed out. But we ended up getting tickets anyway to go watch the Australian basketball team play in the Olympics. And so we were excited. We're in high school. Me and three of my mates, Coity, Wardy, Greg, and I was called Foz, which I still answer to today. And we decided that we would do whatever it took to get to the Olympics. We hitched a ride in a friend's uh, truck in the cab, illegally, four of us squashed in the back. We cashed in on every family relationship to have a floor to sleep on. If there was a pillow and rug involved, it was a benefit. We scraped together whatever we could and we got to Sydney Olympic Park. Me and three of my mates, I don't know if we'd showered or put on any deodorant. We got there, we go and find the Superdome to watch the basketball. We take our seat. We notice the fact that not only are we filled in a huge crowd of people, but our seats seem to be held together with plywood and good faith, and that was about it. And I remember sitting down distinctly today still to watch the game, but I've got to be honest, I do not remember who we played. So I remember going to the Olympics. I remember going to the effort. I remember financially committing to it. I remember doing everything we could to be seated there in the Superdome to watch the Australian basketball team play. And I can't tell you today if we won, we lost, or even who we played against. What I do remember is at the end of the game, we walked down to the Sydney Olympic Park late at night and we heard a commotion coming from the pavilions. And being young and having not showered, we decided to go check it out. And there we stumbled on a group of Swedish people and Norwegian people. We knew this, not because either one of us spoke Swedish or Norwegian, but because these people were half naked, wearing their flags of their nations painted all over their bodies, with Viking hats in the colour of their nation flag, And they were dancing and singing and jumping around on the footpath. 
See, it seems that during the basketball game that I do not remember that there was another game going on at the pavilion where the Norwegian team was playing the Swedish team in handball. Now, to this day, I've never watched the Olympic sport handball. I believe it's somehow a cross between netball and soccer. I have no idea how you play it. I've never seen it before, but I know it's popular in some parts of Europe. And these Norwegians and Swedish people were fully into it with all that they had. They were dancing, they were hugging, they were jumping up and down. And so we watched this going on and we joined in. We spent the rest of the night jumping up and down on the footpath, singing songs that we didn't know the words to, giving people high fives, hugging people. We were covered in paint and everything. And when we finished, we actually did feel like we'd been a part of something bigger than ourselves. For me, the Olympics wasn't about the sports. It was about the experience of being in a passionate group of people. Have you ever been part of something bigger than yourself? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is travelling with His followers, His most committed followers, and they are wrestling with this whole idea of what have we signed up for? They're talking amongst themselves about what people are saying about Jesus. There have been a lot of things going around. Jesus Himself jumps in and says, what do people say about me? Some people say that you're a prophet, come back from the dead, ridiculously enough. Some people say that you're the one, like John the Baptist, which is ridiculous because John the Baptist was his cousin and all these strange things until a fisherman from a backwater community pipes up and says, but I say, you are the Christ, the Saviour, the Messiah, the one who has come to make things right. And Jesus turns to this man, Peter, and says, on this rock, on this confession on faith, on this acknowledgement of who I really am, I will establish my church. And the gates of hell, the forces of darkness will not be able to prevail against it. They've been travelling for years with Jesus and this is the very first time in His entire ministry, Jesus used this one word that's come to define everything that we do and gather together to be the church. Jesus had never used this word before in His entire ministry until the disciples were wrestling, what have we signed up for? Who are you? You are the Saviour. And out of that, Jesus says, I will establish my church. And I don't know about you today, but that word church possibly is hard to define. I know for some They define church as a commodity, if I'm honest. A commodity that exists to meet felt needs of a community. That the purpose of a church is to find out what charitable things need to be done and fill those needs. And that's partially correct because the church really is about people coming together to love God and love others. But if that's all it is, then there's no drawing on what God has for us. Some people see church as a channel, if I'm honest, especially in this season that we've come out of with lockdown and other people around the world, even today in lockdown again. The church is seen as a channel, similar to Netflix, if I'm honest, that provides spiritual entertainment. Now, I've got to be honest, the church needs to provide 
content that causes people to grow and understand what it means to follow Jesus and dig deeper into the Word of God. But if it is only about entertainment, there is no transaction apart from being a spectator. The Olympics wasn't real to me while I was a spectator. I can't even tell you who the Australian basketball team played, even though I sat there and watched it. I was a spectator until I stumbled onto a group of people and they allowed me to dance like an idiot with them. And I became part of something. So if the church isn't a commodity, if it isn't a channel, then what is it? It must be a community. Absolutely. The church is a community. But if that is all it is, and I want you to hear my heart here, if that is all it is, then the church will only ever be as important and as big as the friendship circles that we are able to build within it. And that puts a limitation on all that God wants to do because what happens is if we just see church as a community, we evaluate ourselves on, am I in this friendship circle? Am I in that friendship circle? I'm not in that one. And so if I'm not in that one, I'm missing out on something that God has for me. If that's all it is, we're gonna be left disappointed because there's no way one person can be across the whole thing. Is it a commodity? Is it a channel? Is it a community? Partially, partially, partially. What is it? See, Jesus used this word, church. And I've got to confess to you today that that was a loaded term, not just in our culture, but in the culture of Jesus. See, Jesus could have used multiple terms to describe what He'd come to establish that was going to resist the forces of darkness. They had things in that day and age called a synagogue where the Jewish faithful would gather together to remember their culture and to allow themselves to push back against the ruling cultures of the day that would strip them of their identity. But Jesus didn't use that word. He could have, but He didn't. He uses a word, ecclesia or ecclesia. I don't speak ancient Greek, so I'm sorry. We'll say ecclesia today. And that word was a non-religious word. It was a secular word. A closer translation would have been assembly or even congregation. But if that's all it is, a gathering of people, that doesn't unpack what that word really means. See, ecclesia during the time of Jesus was a loaded word because the Romans used ecclesia. So the ruling power in the time of Jesus in his community, in his nation, were the Romans who'd come in from abroad and taken rulership of much of the known world. And they did it significantly, not just because their army was amazing, not just because they could win almost any fight that they were in, not just because they were fearless and had strategic advantage. They did it because wherever they conquered, They would allow those cities to stand. And this was revolutionary in the time because most nations at that day, when they conquered a place, they would level the ground and they would burn everything down and they would take the people and force them to become slaves in their nations. But not the Romans. Their strategy was completely different. They would take rulership of a region that they won by war and they would allow the people to enter into peace. But peace for them meant that they would start sending in Roman citizens. They would give them land. They would build them homes. They would establish them in the community. They would set them up. And this group of Roman citizens, they would call the ecclesia. 
They would go into a city, into a region that had not been influenced by Rome. And this group of people, the ecclesia, will be tasked with one main directive. As it is in Rome, make it here. As it is in Rome, make it here. As it is in Rome, make it here. And so when Jesus says to his followers, I have come to build my ecclesia, what he says is I'm calling people out from death to life to gather together in nations, in cities, in regions throughout the entire world so that as it is in heaven, it would be here. As it is in heaven, it would be here. As it is in heaven, it would be in Rockingham because the church is present. That it's not about being a commodity. It's not about being a channel. It's not about just being a community. What it is about is about being a gathering, a congregation, an assembly of the called out ones from death to life who take seriously the mandate that as Jesus taught His followers to pray, as it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. We do that here and now. We represent our city. We cry out to God for our people. And we acknowledge the fact that until every church in Rockingham is overflowing, we're not doing what we're called to do. That we're called to see a revolution from the inside out. That Jesus has already won the war. That He has conquered death and the grave. And that we are here and acting that out. See, I believe in the church. I believe we are called to be in something that is far bigger than ourselves. I believe we are called to see God's kingdom extended through us here and now today in Jesus' name. I believe that as we take hold of everything that Jesus has done for us, we get to participate in seeing heaven invade earth. Scripture paints this picture. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. It says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. So I believe in the church because I believe the church is an embassy of the love of God in a region and city that desperately needs to receive it. I don't know if you've ever been to an embassy before. My wife and I, we lived abroad for a few years and in Phnom Penh, the city we lived in, there was the Australian embassy. And I remember going there for the first time. We'd lived in Phnom Penh for a number of years and gotten used to the culture, gotten used to the way people did things, got used to the way people spoke and the way things looked, the way things smelled, frankly. As we went into the embassy for the first time, it was like I was taken back to Australia in this Southeast Asian nation that looked nothing like my homeland. I walked in and there on the walls was artwork that I recognised as something an Australian would put up. I saw Australians at every desk. I heard the Australian accent. I got to talk with people and say, g'day, mate, and have them understand me. I got to get things sorted because the truth is, 
the Australian embassy in Phnom Penh, and the truth is for every embassy around the world, is that that ground is that nation. So the moment I opened the gate, I was taken through security and put my foot on Australian embassy soil. The truth was I was in Australia. I hadn't got on the plane. I hadn't travelled with jet lag. I hadn't outlaid all this cash. I just simply put my foot on the soil and that soil was Australia. And as I walked in, I noticed that this was Australian culture all through. And the purpose of that embassy was actually to represent the interests of Australia in the nation of Cambodia. That's the reason why they existed. And if they weren't there to do that purpose, they may as well be shut down. So true for us. And can I say us? Because when I say us, I've got to be clear here, the church is not the building, although I'm so grateful we get to meet in this building. The church is us. Here, gathered together in person, here, online, us, together. And the truth is when we gather as the ecclesia, we are gathering together and claiming wherever we gather as holy ground so that the purposes of God would invade our hearts And then when we scatter into our day-to-day lives, into our families, our workplaces, into the communities that we influence, even our neighbourhoods themselves, we would carry with it the interest of heaven and all that God wants to accomplish in and through His people. You are called to be something bigger than yourself. We're not called to be spectators watching and cheering on. Instead, we are called to be part of the solution. We're not here to participate. We're here to take over. That's the heart of God. Can I keep riffing with these Scriptures? What are we called to be? It says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. See, I believe in the church. Because I believe the church is the representative of Jesus on planet earth today. That God in His infinite wisdom did something I would never have done myself and chose to delegate and empower us to represent Jesus to the world. That in fact, when people see us in action, a body with many different parts to play and each part necessary and each part unreplaceable and each part designed to serve a purpose. When you and I take hold of our divine destiny and all that God has called us to be and grab hold of the heartbeat of Jesus Himself, He empowers us to lock in and click in together so that together we make a difference wherever we are called to be. Do you know that we start Sundays with a prayer gathering here, right here on this area that we call the altar? And that in that moment, we are coming together as one body to say, Jesus, would you change and transform the communities we are called into? A body is called to do something. A body is called to move. A body is called to interact. A body is called to reach out and touch. A body is called to walk into spaces that are dark and bring light. We are called a body for a purpose. So we each and every single one of us would use the gifts and the abilities that God has given us to see situations and circumstances transformed for His glory. 
We're an embassy. We're a body. We're also called to be a place that activates everybody's divine destiny. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Can you say that word encouraging? Come on, one more time like you mean it, encouraging. If you say it online, why don't you put it in the messages? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. I'm convinced that one of the purposes of the church is as people encounter Jesus for themselves and come into this environment, that through encouragement, through love, through an honest sense of cheering one another on and belief in one another, people can take hold of their divine destiny. That you deserve to be promoted in your workplace because God has called you to be the head and not the tail. That there are even inside some of us dreams to establish businesses, to be kingdom financiers, to make a difference both locally and internationally. And I believe that the church is an incubator of those dreams and desires to see us, even families restored, even marriages that were breaking at breaking point to come in and encounter the love of God represented in the ecclesia, the church represented on earth to see situations turned around because we are called to stir one another on. That this is the place, not the building, the people. We're through encouragement and love, through knowing we've got each other back. We put ourselves out there. Say, Lord God, you have not called me to hold back in any area. I believe the purpose of the church is to establish the rule and reign of God on the earth. And we do that by extending the peace of God in every situation and circumstance. It says in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know, the peace of God isn't talking about how I think the world defines peace as something that you compromise for. So the world defines peace as there being a conflict of interest. And often you come down to the basic common denominator just to keep the peace. Just to keep it so that the arguments maybe aren't dealt with, but they're locked away. That the point of contention maybe isn't addressed or fixed, but hopefully ignored enough that you can carry on with a smile with each other. So the way the world defines peace is compromise. That's not how God defines peace. That's not the viewpoint of heaven. See, all throughout Scripture, this word peace comes up, peace, peace, peace. In English, we translate it as peace. In the original languages, that word peace means everything as it should be under the rule and reign of God. Everything as it should be in perfect balance and protection. That word peace is a loaded word. It means that as we come together, some of us, 
maybe are coming in looking for peace. Maybe some of us have been conquered by our experiences. Maybe some of us come together wounded and broken in different ways. And the good news is the coming together of the called out ones of God is one body that brings peace. Everything as it should be, as God designed it to be. Without lack, without missing, without compromise. It says in the end of the book of Romans that the God of peace is crushing Satan under your feet. Peace is dominion. Peace is living in victory. Peace means that nothing rules you except for your surrender to Jesus. And the body of Christ, when we gather together in worship, when we gather together to connect, to know and be known, when we come together and actually have the boldness to say, will somebody stand with me in prayer? When we come together, we have the opportunity to take hold of the peace that God has for every single one of us. I believe in the church. I believe in the church because Jesus believed in the church. I believe in the church because Jesus believes in us. In the book of Galatians, sorry, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about how Christ died for the church. He died so that we could participate with him seen heaven extended in every area of our lives and our city. So I want to challenge us. We're not called to spectate. We're called to take hold of, to be ambassadors, to be stirrers up of one another, to be ones who carry the peace of God and share it in everything we have. But ultimately, we are called to live in right relationship with God. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.